Hello, witches, and happy 420! This episode is a re-release of a previous Patreon exclusive, and it's appropriately 420-themed, all about cannabis and witchcraft. Since this episode is a re-release, there might be some things in there that are not relevant anymore, or that were just very topical at the time. I'm not sure, I haven't even gone back to listen to this episode in a while, so just keep in mind that this was recorded about two years ago. Since we are going to be talking about cannabis consumption, this episode isn't for kids and minors. So if that's you, please just scroll on past, and I'll see you in the next episode. But for the rest of us witches, grab your smoke and your edibles, or your dabs, and join me for a little magical cannabis session. Hello, very special Patreon friends, and welcome to the first bonus episode of Witchcraft for the Restless. Welcome to all you wonderful, restless, witchy people. My name is Kai, your restless, witchy host. Thank you so much for being a supporter on Patreon. It means the world to me. You guys are the ones that really are getting the show up and running, and I really super duper appreciate that. Since my first bonus episode happens to fall in April, and the moon will be full between the 19th and 20th, I thought that a 420 episode would be appropriate. Happy 420 to all you witches who are cannabis consumers, producers, or just curious, just here for the knowledge and information. Happy 420 to all of you. For those of you who were woefully unaware, 420, April 20th, is the day on which cannabis consumers celebrate the plant that they love so much, and I am one of those lovers of this plant. I won't go into the folklore or anything about why 420 is the day on which we celebrate cannabis, but um, I'll link something in the show notes for you. In this episode, we'll chat about my personal experiences with cannabis, uh, some of its botanical information and other cannabis-related things, including how legalization is going here in Ontario. Not well, is a hint. (laughs) Um, Or at least how it's being implemented is not being done well. I do love legalization, don't get me wrong, but it's just not being executed well within our government. <laughs> Anyways, um, in Coven Corner, we hear from you guys and answer some questions, and then we'll talk about some of my favorite canna-friendly podcasts. In this week's witchcraft segment, we'll chat about the magical properties and uses of cannabis, and as always, I'll close with a tarot reading that will serve as something to meditate on after you've consumed some of this magical plant. And of course, only use cannabis if you're of age and in an area where it's legal and everything. And um, follow your local laws and such. And if you want to use this plant medicinally, I highly suggest talking with a doctor or an herbalist that's experienced. There's a lot of medical info to know about this plant, and there's no way I'm going to be covering all of it here. And I'm not an expert, so if you want to use this plant to treat a medical condition, definitely talk to an expert. I suppose I should start off with how I was introduced to cannabis. Um, I was late to the scene, like really late, but it was sort of around when I was a kid. I never really remember being naive about drugs. Like I somehow just knew what they were at quite a young age, despite being in a household where they were just never discussed casually. Like drugs just weren't, they weren't around me physically as a kid, but I just somehow knew what they were and never really had a an aha moment of, oh, that's what this is. Um, like, the same sort of thing goes for sex and sexuality. Like, even I was super little, I had 
no teaching or like practical knowledge on the subject, obviously. I just somehow sort of knew what it was and never really had an epiphany moment about it. Anywho, um, <laughs> I knew that cannabis was a plant that you smoked um, that got you high. Like, I knew that fact rather young, like maybe grade five. H.R. <laughs> Puffin stuff wasn't something that I actually watched, but I knew, like, the song and I knew what it was for some reason. I have no clue how I knew what this was. Sorry if the audio just changed a little bit. I had to change position. I was very uncomfortable. Anyways, where was I? How I knew what cannabis was at such a young age. Um... The reason that I know that I was around grade five was because my friend Matt at the time had this little cast of doodle cartoons that he would draw just on all of his homework and all of his school stuff. And it was this family of people, like this group of four people, parents and kids, who were just always high. I don't remember what he named them, but <laughs> Matt had this just, you know this little character family that was just always high, and we were in grade five, and we thought it was hilarious. I mean, I guess I did go to school on sort of the, quote, bad side of town. I really, ugh, that sort of language and, you know, phrasing of inner cities just makes me a little bit cringy. But, um, yeah, my school, I guess, was on the inner city, uh, lower income side of our town. And I guess Maybe that's why all the kids just knew what drugs were. I don't know. But anyways, that's basically irrelevant because I didn't even end up smoking or even drinking until after high school. So yeah, most people in my area tried smoking weed for the first time in high school. But my parents were um, strict, kind of to say the least. They were a bit overly strict, I think. And as a result, in the last two years of high school, I didn't really get invited to hangouts where things like drinking and smoking would be present and I guess I guess it's because I didn't drink but I also just think they assumed that meant that I wasn't cool with drinking or smoking but I, I totally was fine with it it's just that I didn't personally drink or smoke anyways I probably would have smoked honestly if given the chance in high school I knew that I didn't like drinking but I didn't know if I would like smoking or not um, and I probably would have tried it had I been, you know, invited to places where it would be. <laughs> I, don't, I guess maybe my friends just mistook my parents' lack of chill for my own. And none of that is to say that I, I, I um, resent my parents for those strict rules. I don't anymore. It's fine. I did at one point. I definitely did at one point. But it's, I get it. It's fine. It was fine. <laughs> so yeah, my friends were like smoking here and there in the last couple years of high school. And then in university, one of my very best friends in first year, Holly, she was awesome. I miss her a lot. Was um, She was a cannabis consumer, but um, I was honestly too embarrassed at that point that I hadn't tried it in high school, that I didn't want to look stupid trying it for the first time in front of Holly, who I just thought was like the coolest person. And my shyness about trying it for the first time in front of anyone whose opinion I cared about continued to be a barrier to me trying it until I worked at a pet supply chain uh, here in Ontario called Wren's. Uh, one of my good friends there really wanted me to try it, like, really badly, so she gave me a gram or so. And I tried smoking in a glass pipe on a couple different occasions. And it was terrible. Terrible, to say the least. Like... I have no clue what strain she gave me, but it tasted like licking 
burned tar, like burned rubber. Like I'm, I'm convinced that it, that's not just because it was my first time trying it and like it just tasted gross to me. I believe that it objectively was just something was off about it. Something was bad. But since I hadn't had other experiences with weed at the time, I thought kind of that's just how it was and you had to get over the taste. Like how people say get over the taste of wine and beer. No, I never, I never acquired a taste for wine or beer. I think it tastes disgusting. And I thought that that's kind of just how smoking weed was going to be. I thought it was just going to be a thing that just tastes disgusting and you get over it. Um, but now that I have more weed experiences, I definitely think there was something, something off about whatever she gave me. Um, I also didn't get high from it, so it was lose-lose. But regardless, like, even if I had gotten a little bit high, I would have been turned off about how, like, persistent that flavor was. And it just, ugh, it turned me off a of weed completely, like, for a long time. So that was probably... I don't know, maybe five years ago? Yeah, it must have been around five years ago. And so, yeah, I didn't try cannabis at all again until this past summer. Um, and it was probably around June when I saw a jelly bomb at one of my clients' houses. These clients were cannabis consumers, and they had these jelly bombs. Um, and so I just read the packaging, and I was intrigued, so I looked it up. And thus started my obsessive research of cannabis. <laughs> For those of you who listened to my first episode, you know how my interests kind of come in waves and not like, not like little waves, big tidal waves that sort of take over my life for periods of time. And learning about cannabis was definitely a big tidal wave interest. So in June, um, it kind of just took over all the channels of my life, all channels of my brain. And I ordered some jelly bombs because at this point I still thought smoking was terrible. Um, so I just was intrigued by the idea of edibles and microdosing with edibles as a place to start. So the idea that I could hone in on a specific milligram dosage that worked for me was really intriguing. And my desire to like try this and research it for my own personal use um, was triggered by my anxiety and depression and chronic migraines. And I knew consciously that all these things uh, could have benefited from cannabis consumption. But I I don't know. I don't know why I was so late to the game. Anyways, um, so that's specifically what I was looking up usage for. And of course, I was also interested in using cannabis in my witchcraft practice as sort of a divination companion tool. So sort of a tool to get to that altered higher space. And these jelly bombs, um, they worked wonderfully. I really enjoy them. And I was able to find my sweet spots for both daytime and nighttime use, and I'd been researching different strains, um, cannabinoids and terpenes, and what combinations were most beneficial for what things. And the place I ordered the gummies from included a one gram sample of Blue Dream in it. So I decided to give smoking another try because I had been researching all these different strains and chemical makeups of those strains. I wanted to be able to try the different cultivars and see if I could hone in on ones that were most beneficial to me. So that's why I decided to give smoking a try again, and it was so different than my first experience of smoking. Um, I still had the same pipe, but it didn't taste horrible. In fact, it tasted pretty good to me, and I could feel um, a fairly immediate lightness after like four-ish hits. 
four hits is kind of a lot for beginning, but I've had a higher tolerance than the rest of my friends group um, when it comes to cannabis, like since the beginning. So four or five hits and I was like a little bit lighter. And the high it offered was like so different than the edibles. And plus the physical ritual of smoking really was kind of meditative for me. And I loved that. And um, if you listen to my first episode, I talked more about ritual, but uh, smoking is one of those little things that just is the same set of steps every time. So you kind of it kind of acts as like a reset button for me, at least it, it acts as like a, like a reset pause button where I can ground and recenter. Anyways, the ritual was fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> and so naturally with my incessant need to know things, I sought out a bunch of different strains to try. Um, so I could journal about how each of them affected me. And that's kind of an ongoing project of mine. Um, I still, every time I try something new, my experience goes in that little journal. But since that big tidal wave of interest has subsided a little bit, um, the interest status has uh, gone from obsession to just passionate hobby, which is a nice, comfortable place for it to sit right now. And basically, I fell head over heels in love with this plant and want to share my knowledge and experiences about it with everyone I can. And so here we are sitting down right now celebrating 420 together. I'm wondering if I should have a segment called like, I don't know, nerd, something about nerds or geeks or something because I feel like I'm gonna geek out about one topic at least every episode um, and get really sort of in-depth and nerdy about it, possibly on a mundane level. But anyways, here is this week's in-depth nerdy topic. Let's talk about some Cannabis 101, shall we? Cannabis has gone by so many names. Um, the ones that I grew up familiar with are weed, pot, marijuana, ganja, grass, and... Uh... My apologies, but there seems to have been a glitch on the original audio. So what I think I said is that cannabis, not marijuana, is the preferred term in the industry these days. And that sativa and indica are the two main types of plants, two main growth forms of the plants. Uh, they may actually be subspecies. I might be wrong about that though, but anyways, those are sativa and indica. The two types of plants have different physical structures. Um, like growth habits, and they also have different physiological and psychological effects due to their constituent makeup. So the medicinal constituents and chemicals and how they are balanced within those plants. Sativa is the type that's typically more energizing, like cerebral and like social and more of like a mind high. And indica has more physical effects and is really well suited for pain management and relaxation and sleep. There's also hybrids between the two types, and those hybrids can be, they can fall anywhere on the spectrum of effects. I definitely suggest talking to a knowledgeable bud tender or consultant, or even medicinal herbalist of some sort, if you're unsure at all about what type would work best for your needs. And even more specific than that, uh, than just indica sativa or hybrid, are the individual cultivars. If you're a gardener, you probably know what a cultivar is, Cultivars are the individual plant characteristics that we uh, specifically cultivate and breed into our plants. So a really common example, um, and sort of an easier to understand example, 
of the idea of cultivars is with tomato plants. And everyone knows what heritage tomatoes or heirloom tomatoes look like. And each of those um, varieties of tomatoes is its own cultivar. So there's like the small yellow pear-shaped ones. That, it, that cultivar of tomato is called yellow pear. Um, and there are some that are bred for, you know, being early in the season. And one of those cultivars that's really early is called early girl. <laughs> Basically, you create a cultivar when you find an individual plant from a species that carries traits that you like, and then you work your way in breeding and genetics to be able to make those traits stable within your uh, breeding program. So you want to you want to be able to produce those specific traits that you chose reliably every time. And when you have a stable line, that's what a cultivar is. And each cultivar, or strain as it's most often called within the industry, each strain has their own chemical and genetic makeup and flavor and physical and psychological effects. And like I said, cultivars are generally called strains in the cannabis industry. Not sure why. Um, when I started learning about cannabis, I actually had to look up if strain and was different than cultivar, like if those two terms meant different things. They don't. They're just names for the same thing. And some of the famous strains you've probably heard of are things like OG Kush, or the whole Kush family, actually. Blue Dream, Girl Scout Cookies, um, Pineapple Express, of course. <laughs> so once you know what type of cannabis might suit your needs, as far as um, Indica Sativa or Hybrid goes, then you have a bunch of different strains within those categories, uh, and you can pick and choose to suit your needs. And then after you've narrowed down sort of a group of um, strains you might want to try, then you choose a method of consumption. The part of the plant that you're probably used to seeing, the little green nuggets of goodness, uh, those are the flower heads of the female cannabis plant. And the most popular consumption method, ostensibly, is smoking, of course. And that means that the plant material is heated to combustion, essentially lighting it on fire, thus creating smoke. Another option for consuming flour is vaporization, and this can be, get a little bit science-y, but don't worry, it's easily understood science, don't worry. When you're vaporizing any plant material, like the flowers, it's only heated to the boiling point of its constituents. Like, THC has a boiling slash vaporization temperature of around 155 degrees Celsius, and CBD is around 165, so you're not having to heat the plant material any higher than that. So that's well under the combustion temperature, and so you can still vaporize all of the delicious medicinal constituents, terpenes, everything, without combustion. Which is really great and really important, and I love that vaporization has um, become as popular because I do believe that it is healthier than smoking. And by smoking, I mean combustion. And like, it's important because any combusted material does have some carcinogenic worries. It just does. Anything that is on fire is going to have carcinogenic properties. So if you're smoking cannabis, which has anti-cancer properties, but inhaling carcinogens, so there's, like, it's just kind of the two things working against each other. And Casually Baked, the podcast has a fantastic episode about, about vaporization called Taste the Rainbow, and they talk about the Firefly specifically as a vaporizer, but there are other vaporizers, and I'll put a link to her show in the show notes. Her whole show is great, but I'll link to that episode specifically. 
In that episode, they explain vaping in a lot greater detail than I can cover here. And then, of course, there's edibles, which people tend to have a love-hate relationship with due to the inconsistent dosing that is in most homemade edibles. (laughs) And just, like, there's a lot of bad experiences just due to misguided behavior and information. That's all there is to it. Some really great people who and really smart people have had bad edible experiences, and it's no fault of their own. So don't worry, we've all been there. Um, personally, I love edibles. They have a special place in my heart as my introduction into cannabis. But it's always super important to start with a really, really low dose. Like a, like a really low THC dose. Um, I believe I started with two and a half milligrams of THC, and two and a half grams as well of CBD, because it was a one-to-one ratio. And I think that both the fact that I tried a low dose to start with and the fact that it was a one-to-one ratio of CBD to THC, I think those both were big contributors to the fact that I had really good first experiences on edibles, and it was great, and it allowed me to hone in on my dosage and get to know my tolerance levels enjoyably. And there are actual physiological reasons why edibles tend to hit people harder than smoking. When you're inhaling, the cannabinoids are almost always directly absorbed into your bloodstream, uh, whereas when you're ingesting cannabis, when you're eating it, the THC is metabolized and converted into 11-hydroxy-THC, which has a stronger psychoactive effect, Um, even though it takes longer for your body to feel it because it has to go all the way through your digestive system and into your liver to get converted. So it takes longer to kick in, but that form of THC is actually has a stronger psychoactive effect. So 10 milligrams of THC smoked is going to feel like way less than eating a 10 milligram edible. Like way less. (laughs) And to know the milligrams of THC that you're smoking, um, most strains will have a percentage of THC labeled on it um, because most good grows will get their weed tested by a lab, um, by a good lab that doesn't fudge the numbers. Um, so you take that percentage of THC content and that is by weight. So if you have one gram of weed and it is 17% THC, then in that one gram there is 170 milligrams of THC. So 170 milligrams, if you had that in an edible, it would be a lot. Like, that's a really, really high dose. (laughs) But smoking a one gram joint of a 17% strain, like, that's, it's reasonable. It's not unreasonable at all. Uh, I personally couldn't do that in one sitting, but there are many people who could. (laughs) So, moral of the story, start super low, lower than you think is reasonable when you're starting with edibles. And all of that was uh, very mundane and might be a little bit boring to some of you, but I think that it's important for you guys to have some base info Um, And that way you have the language to ask more questions and do more research for yourselves. Um, That's all for the practical and mundane bit for now. And now let's get on to this episode's spiritual segment. Again, I need to come up with a snappy name, guys. Help me come up with some fun snappy name for the spiritual segment. Cannabis and spirituality have an ancient history which I'm not really going to cover because I'm not a historian. Honestly, I'm not that great with history, and um, it's not one of my my big interests. Maybe it will be one day, but it hasn't come up yet. 
So I'm just not going to really cover it on this episode. There are many other podcast episodes that do. But so many cultures have a spiritual connection to this plant. And I really enjoy a Vice series called Weedikit. It's on Crave in Canada. I'm not sure what other streaming services it's on. But they explore all these different ways in which culture and cannabis intersect. And spirituality, or at least big picture worldviews, um, are a part of each episode. And for me, my spiritual beliefs and interests in herbal medicine are very closely tied. I couldn't really tell you which one of those interests informs the other or which came first. And I view cannabis as a plant that heals both medicinally and spiritually and magically, just like most plants do. I believe that all medicinal plants have magical or spiritual actions as well. Um, And most plants have at least some medicinal value, and I see cannabis as just one in that vast category of healing plants. And in my belief system, spiritually, it doesn't differ in importance from any other plant. Unlike in some spiritual belief systems where cannabis may be seen as holier or superior than other plants, it may be sort of worshipped in and of itself. And that's like perfectly awesome, I love that. It's just not how I practice, and I agree that cannabis can help us connect to the divine, but I don't think that cannabis is any closer to deity than any other plant in and of itself. I definitely use this herb more than any others, (laughs) aside from coffee and tea, and it's definitely the one that I use the most often for specifically its action as an herb, and not just, like, to have a tasty beverage. Like, when I'm using cannabis, it's not just because I enjoy the action of smoking. I still don't think that it, like, it's not something I would do just for fun if it didn't have have medicinal and spiritual actions. And I mentioned in episode one that I deal with anxiety and depression and chronic migraines, and I mentioned that earlier. Um, and I use cannabis in both mundane physical ways and magical ways to help mitigate those. These disorders have been disabling for me. Cannabis has helped me so much um, in regaining some semblance of happiness. I don't know. It's just been really instrumental in making a big change in my life. And I think that that can't possibly just be the physical uh, medicinal actions that it has. Like, there's definitely some spiritual goings-on in there as well. I've been incorporating cannabis in one form or another into most of my spells lately, it seems. Part of it is because the energy this plant has just um, seems to help open the way to the divine a bit more, and most spells can benefit from a closer connection to the divine. And part of it is because there's a strain for everything. The reason there's no part of my life that this doesn't work into is because there's literally something for everything. I have my favorites for divination, uh, mood boosting, pain relief, all sorts of stuff. And when forming your intent for spells and what you'd like to formulate it with, there's likely a cannabis strain that would work perfectly in your recipe. So there's something for everyone. (laughs) And so instead of talking about specific spells or specific magical ways you can use this plant, because there's literally something for everything, I'll cover a couple of different ways in which physically and some little um, products that you can create with the plant. Canna oil and canna butter are really common and well-known and popular, and for good reason. 
if you use an edible carrier oil, like an olive oil, you can use canna oil in your cooking. You can use it to anoint your candles or talismans. Um, you can use it on your own body. And magically, you would use this oil as you would any magical oil. Oils and magic are super common, so I'm sure there's tons of resources for you if you're new to the whole magical oil scene. Another really great way and an easy way for a lot of people to use um, cannabis is as incense. And you can burn it loose on a charcoal disc, as you would as most loose incense. Or you can sort of roll a joint and use that to smoke cleanse with. I know that the scent is not for everyone. I know it's not everyone's favorite. I personally don't mind the scent. I quite enjoy it. But yeah, burning and smoking the herb and using that um, as incense is another easy, great way to use the plant. Using the plant as an offering for ancestors, especially ones that you knew were cannabis consumers, um, or there are certain cultures that are closely tied to this plant, using this as an offering to those who have passed is really great, as you would with tobacco. Of course, you can always use this as a spell ingredient just in and of itself. Grind up some of your bud and you know stick it in a spell jar or something. As you would with any other plant, of course, plants are spell ingredients all the time. And lastly, I'll talk about one of my favorite ways to use this plant, and that is as a divination aid. There's two ways that cannabis can help with your divination. It can act as a divination tool in and of itself. You can do some smoke scrying. Uh, this is done by, you know how when you have a some sunlight coming in your window at a certain angle and like it really makes your incense smoke look amazing. So you want to find yourself a nice sunny little window like that and then you'll hold your cannabis smoke in that sunbeam and watch for shapes and symbols and that's the same sort of thing as like flame scrying uh, where you watch a fire and kind of watch for shapes and stuff. And then the second way that it can be a divination tool is by helping you gain sort of like a higher altered state um, to help you get into the intuitive groove. That can really just like help you divine better and clearer. Personally, I find that my own intuition is way, way open and very connected when I'm high. My intuitive pings are just clearer and I can decipher what's an intuitive ping versus what's just like my anxiety brain talking, I can differentiate that easier. Anyways, yeah, after consuming cannabis, I just find divination easier and more flowy, and I just feel more aligned and in tune after I've consumed cannabis. I find that cannabis works with my third eye energy point. Um, I'm not calling it a chakra because I don't work with chakras, because I am a white woman. <laughs> but yeah, I find that it just opens up the third eye energy point and kind of aligns everything nicely. And personally, I don't see any sort of hierarchy of goodness in how you reach that trance-like intuitive state. Um, I don't think that someone who reaches that state without any mundane tools like cannabis is any better than someone who does. Basically, as long as you're respectful to whatever deities or energies you're working with, I really don't think that they're going to have a bias about how you got to them. I also use cannabis ritually, again, to kind of reach that trance-like altered state. I use it to get into the rhythm and the movement and the flow, and 
She's lovely. She's a lovely companion for Ritual. And now it's time to hear from you guys in Coven Corner. At Squishy Weird One, I love that name by the way, asked me on Tumblr, um, how do you personally feel cannabis affects your craft and can that be different for others? Also, if I don't personally use cannabis, is it possible to still have successful workings if I use it for others? Awesome questions. Fantastic. I personally feel that cannabis brings back a lot of the childlike wonder into my life, um, which obviously makes magic fantastic. And I do feel that cannabis does connect me a little bit easier with the divine. But obviously this plant isn't like a necessity for witches to be able to practice and get really close to the divine. It's just what has been a really big part of my life, both like medicinally and magically. So it's just been an overall positive change in my life, I guess. And then if you don't use cannabis personally, is it still possible to have successful workings when you use it for others? Um, yeah, for sure it's possible. I do think that there are other plants, like if you have a strong connection with other plants, there are others that could do the same suitable work. Personally, I always feel that magic is going to work best when you have a strong connection to what you're doing and what you're using. So as far as like specific suggestions on what you can substitute in for cannabis, there could be many plants that if you have a stronger connection to them than cannabis, they would do the better job. And again, I form all my correspondences intuitively, so um, you might not use cannabis for the same things that I would. So really, it's up to you to decide what cannabis is going to do for you, how it's going to serve you in whatever working you're doing. But again, if there is a plant that you have a stronger connection to that could serve the same purpose in that spell, always go with the one you have a stronger connection to. I just think that it's always easier to have that really strong connection to your spell when you have a strong connection with the things you're using. So awesome questions. Thank you so much, Squishy Weird One. Again, fantastic username. And I am the Lotus Eater. Wow, you guys have really great usernames. I am the Lotus Eater on Tumblr asked, in addition to using cannabis, CBD in brackets, for medical purposes and treatment of mild ADHD, how can witchcraft supplement CBD benefits? So I'm just going to clarify because it doesn't, it doesn't sound clear in your question, um, but cannabis is the whole plant and CBD is just one little constituent of that plant. You can derive CBD from hemp, the plant that doesn't have any psychoactive effects, or cannabis. You can isolate CBD and have CBD oil and other products that are just CBD without the THC. But yeah, cannabis is not equal to CBD. They don't mean the same things. Um, and when I say cannabis, I'm always referring to the whole plant, or at least all of the plant's constituents. And if I'm talking about a specific constituent, I'll specify which one, like CBD, THC, um, a terpene, you know. So for medical purposes and treatment of mild ADHD, um, I can't really speak to treatment of medical issues, <laughs> but um, you said in addition to, so I assume you're already good with using the CBD for your medicinal purposes. And as far as how to use it in your witchcraft, of course you can do any of the things that I mentioned in the previous spiritual segment, but you're thinking CBD specifically. It sounds like you might be in a state where only CBD is legal, which is perfectly fine. You can use CBD, the isolated um, constituent. That's perfectly fine. 
You could always enchant whatever CBD products you're using. So you could perform a spell where you're putting um, even more good energy and specific purposeful energy into your CBD products and kind of programming it with what you want to be absorbing from it. You could, of course, use your CBD as a spell ingredient, but if you're using a CBD distillate, I'm assuming that's probably expensive and you wouldn't want to be just using it in your spell ingredients. But if you're using like a whole flower, something that's not a distillate, uh, that's definitely doable for using that as a spell ingredient. The correspondences that CBD has for me are gentler and more like kind of uh, working in the background sort of energy. So when you want a spell to maybe just do some stuff behind the scenes, you don't want it to be obvious, you want it to be subtle, then CBD would be a good spell ingredient for that sort of thing. And of course it has antispasmodic and anti-anxiety correspondences with it as well. But for me CBD is more of a it's less of an opening to the divine and more of a getting down into your body. So sort of a grounding sort of energy rather than a lifting one. But of course, use your own correspondences, make up your own correspondence lists. It's so important to have a close connection with the things you're using as spell ingredients. One of the things I think that can form that relationship is getting to know the ingredient well enough to be able to form your own correspondences. For me, that usually takes the form of knowing its historical and traditional uses as well as medicinal constituents. For like all plants, that's sort of what I look to to make my correspondences. So feel free to do that for yourself with cannabis and CBD or any other isolated um, cannabinoid. Thank you so much for the question. I am the Lotus Eater. And again, fantastic username. You guys are killing it. And in this episode's um, podcast segment, fellow podcasters... I'm still not sure what to call this segment. I don't want to call it Podkin. I know that other witchy um, podcasts call each other Podkin. I don't know why. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't like the term Podkin. <laughs> so if you have any ideas of names for this segment, let me know. It's all about uh, what podcasts I've been listening to this week. Last episode, I mentioned Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, and that is still on the forefront of my podcast listening. I've actually gotten on a little bit of a Harry Potter podcast kick. So I've been listening to Witch Please, which is another Harry Potter podcast. And I've been listening to Potterless, you know, instead of Pottermore. I thought it was pretty clever. Potterless is by this guy who's, I think, 24, and he's reading Harry Potter for the first time. Um, so it's kind of interesting to get an adult's perspective on this basically children's book series. So yeah, Harry Potter has been taking up a lot of my listening time. But another category of podcasts that I listen to frequently is cannabis podcasts, and I have my favorites for sure. Casually Baked is probably my favorite in terms of like easy listening and humor as well as information. Uh, Joe, who runs that podcast, is just a great ball of fun. She's fantastic and has really solidified the idea of cannabis for wellness in me, so she's definitely worth a listen. And then another cannabis-based podcast is called The Cannabis Act, and it's actually a somewhat local to me, 
podcast. They're from Windsor, Ontario. That's just like four hours away from me. But anyways, the Cannabis Act is about legalization in Canada, or at least it started that way. They definitely cover a bunch of different cannabis-related topics, but they have been following the legalization of cannabis within Canada really closely and giving really great in-depth points of views from people who are in the industry. Oh, and I was totally going to talk about the politics in cannabis in Canada in my first mundane segment. So anyway, I'll talk about it right now. Um, Basically, it's not going well, in Ontario at least. I know that other provinces have implemented it a lot more effectively than we have. The crux of our problem in Ontario is that it's only being sold through one online government-owned retailer, or at least that's how it started, like that was the beginning of legalization, was just this one online retailer, and they were not able to keep up with demands of stock, like not even a little bit. Um, It was definitely poorer quality than I think most people were expecting, and they just couldn't keep anything in stock. So that was, you know, an ongoing problem for a few months. And the beginning of retail outlets like storefronts Uh, was going to be April, so now, and it did happen, um, but originally, the way that, you know, it was going to be decided about who got licenses to sell and who didn't um, was going to be a lot better than what they did. What they did was change the way it was going to be decided who got to hold licenses at the last minute, basically. They announced that they were going to do a lottery system where, like, the fee to entry was ridiculously low, like something like 50 or $75. And they announced that the application deadline was two days from that announcement, I believe. So basically they had two days to change their entire, basically, strategy of opening businesses and apply to this new lottery system. And a lottery system isn't a good system to decide who gets to hold a license in the first place. But since the entry fee to get like into this lottery was ridiculously low, there were a lot of people who entered. And they were going to use this lottery to choose 25 people to be able to get a license to sell in a retail storefront setting. And it wasn't like the winners of this lottery system were just handed licenses for their application fee. It also cost them the licensing fee and all the security and stuff and everything else they had to get checked out in order to have a retail location. So anyways, there's a whole bunch of reasons why it's like a rich for the rich system here in Ontario or like the rich get richer sort of thing. But the main thing is that 25 people won the right to have licenses and their deadline to open was April 1st and they were going to get fined like $12,000 if they don't open it on April 1st. And even with that threat, which I think is a stupid thing, anyways, even with that threat of a fine hanging over their heads, over half of them weren't able to open on April 1st because our system is so inefficient. (laughs) But anyways, I do love legalization. I do love that we are allowed to grow our own plants in this province. That's great. But it definitely could have been implemented better. And if you want to learn more, you should go listen to the Cannabis Act, which I will link everything in the show notes. And now, on to our final segment of this episode, of this very special bonus episode. It's time for our tarot reading. You can use this as something to meditate on next time you get lifted, next time you get high. Um, 
or if you don't partake, that's completely fine. You can still learn about cannabis and it can the plant itself can still have a lesson for you. This week I'm using the Tattoo Tarot. I think that this reading, um, I think that I want it to be about what can the cannabis plant teach us. Oh, sorry, I'm just dropping cards. I suppose those are our two cards. All right. Um, so what does cannabis want to teach us? Um, interesting. Okay. So for the first card, we have the Ace of Wands. Lovely. And the second card that dropped out when uh, I asked the question is the Queen of Wands. This is lovely. I am thankful that I went with my gut and went with those two cards that fell out of the deck while I was shuffling. I had just started shuffling too. Normally I shuffle for like what seems like ages, but these two cards fell out as I started shuffling and the first time I said the question out loud, so I went with my gut there. The Ace and Queen of Wands. The wands to me are all about intuition and creativity and all those really deep um, sort of primal type feelings. The wands are actually where I feel um, cannabis sits comfortably. I feel like the wands are about creation and all these like sort of cerebral emotional things and the wands is where a lot of our spirituality sits as well. So the fact that that cannabis is connected with the wands it makes sense in my brain. And since we got the Ace and the Queen of Wands, it kind of feels like it's encompassing the whole suit, almost. Um, so it feels like it's encompassing all the way from Ace to Queen. Um, and there's a whole big journey in between there. To me, the Queen of Wands is comfortable living in the cerebral sort of imagined realm. That's not to say that she's, like, too daydreamy, but she's really comfortable um, being productive in imagination and sort of bringing that to this reality. So she's comfortable in that liminal space between uh, imagination and reality. And the ace, I always tend to read as a new creative project. So I think that right now, cannabis is wanting you to reach out to the imaginal and fantasy and see how you can bring it into your reality, maybe by starting a new project. I think that it wants us to get more comfortable thinking about the possibilities and what could be instead of getting hung up on thinking about why those things won't happen. Just open yourself up to the possibility and think about how you can make that your reality. I hope you guys are all having a magnificent 420. Um, and I hope that this 420, if it is legal where you are and you're partaking, I hope that you can be grateful for and honor those who came before you in the fight towards legalization. And remember that that fight is definitely ongoing. So if you love this plant, don't be quiet about it. Shout out to the rooftops. We love it. And this plant is so instrumental in so many people's healing. So thank you to cannabis. I love you. And I love all of you listening. And you can find me on Instagram and Tumblr at The Restless Witch and on Twitter at Restless underscore Witch. And my website is TheRestlessWitch.com. And I'm still working on getting an iTunes feed up and running. For some reason, it keeps telling me that it thinks this is a test feed. So I'll keep you updated and let you know when it is available on iTunes.
And of course, if you're listening to this, you probably already are a Patreon supporter. But if you're not, please consider supporting the show and supporting my dream career as a witch. And of course, as always, you can book tarot readings with me or commission custom crocheted goods on my website or on my Tumblr. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can donate to the show on Ko-fi at The Restless Witch or at paypal.me slash The Restless Witch. And again, all the links will be down in the show notes. Have a fantastic time enjoying this lovely and magical plant, and I will talk to you in my next episode. Bye! have recently gotten on TikTok and that's not the secret. The secret is that I think that TikTok helped me book my very first therapist appointment ever. I have some trauma surrounding my first and only therapist appointment when I was a teenager. Up till now I haven't even been able to bring myself to book an appointment. I would get pretty severe anxiety attacks whenever I would even peruse the listings for a psychologist or therapist. But following a few therapists and psychologists on TikTok has actually really helped, and following other neurodivergent people because I suspect that I have more than just anxiety and depression disorders going on. I feel like there's some sort of neurodivergency going on with me, but I have never been able to pursue a diagnosis because I haven't been able to bring myself to see anyone about it. So fingers crossed that this is good. I haven't had the consultation yet. It's later this week. I'm still really, really nervous about the consultation and um, get really anxious when I think about it for too long. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to not think about it till it happens. So if you keep hearing people say, just go to therapy, you should provide therapy, therapy's good for everyone, and you just haven't been able to get yourself there, they're not wrong, but be gentle with yourself and know that it might take some time to get yourself to a spot where that even feels possible. Because this was not my first step. A lot of people's first step to mental health is contacting a therapist, but this was my like step 300 and something. I've done a lot of purposeful, mindful work on myself in figuring out my own brain and thought processes. So I guess this just goes as a reminder to those who don't feel like they are doing things in the quote right order, or to those that feel like they are doing things too slowly. This is just a reminder that healing isn't linear and what looks like progress for one person might not look like progress for another. Because I assure you, there are people in my life that from the outside think that I haven't been doing any sort of work on my anxiety and depression disorders because I said that I was going to try to go to therapy about mm, 10 years ago and haven't yet. So from the outside, that doesn't really look like progress. But I don't need to convince anyone of my progress, and neither do you. If you feel it, you have it. And if you don't feel it right now, you'll get there. Be gentle. And hearing people say these things in videos on TikTok has really helped me believe it for myself. So be kind to yourself today. Go smoke a blunt and stay curious, witches.